Have you ever considered what it, what it would cost you to wholeheartedly follow Christ? Have you ever considered what it will cost you if you were fully committed to the Lord Jesus Christ and lived for Him faithfully and obediently? Have you ever thought about it? Have you ever thought about what it will cost you? The Word actually talks about, God's Word actually talks about what it will cost us. The, God, uh, the, the Word of God it challenges us to count the cost. On the morning of July 15th in, in 1555 at 9 a.m., there were two men who were led to their execution in London's Smithfield in the region of, of uh, London. It was during, it was during the, the rulership and reign of the one they called Bloody Queen Mary. These two men were condemned to be burnt alive as, as heretics. They were actually guilty of preaching the gospel. One was a young man of 19. His name was John Leaf. The other was about 45, 45 years old. His name was John Bradford. Among Bradford's final words at the stake were these. Oh, England, England, repent. He turned to the young man who was to suffer with him, and he said, Be of good comfort, brother, for we shall have a happy supper with the Lord tonight. And then they embraced the wood as they were awaiting their execution, and John Bradford repeated our Savior's words, Straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life and few there be that find it. Thus, says Fox in his book of martyrs, like two lambs, they both ended their mortal lives being void of all fear. Being void of all fear. They were able to courageously give their lives for Jesus Christ because they willingly and wholeheartedly counted the cost of what it would, what it would be for them to serve Christ faithfully and give even their lives for the Lord Jesus Christ for the sake of the gospel. These were just two, just two of so many others who have who have gone, who have gone to, to be with their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because they gave their lives, because they counted the cost of what it would be for Christ to be their all, for Jesus Christ to be, to be number one in their lives if they, as they live for Christ. We're going to see as we enter chapter 16 of John's Gospel, and I want you to turn there with me this morning, John chapter 16. We're going to see as we enter John's Gospel that Jesus was very clear with his disciples that to follow him would be very costly. 
Jesus didn't paint a greener pasture over there kind of picture if you'll follow Christ. Jesus didn't say, things will be grand, just follow me. He didn't say and tell them that they'd be rich and have their wildest dreams fulfilled if they'd just follow Christ. He didn't tell them that that people would love them for who they were if they followed Christ. No, in fact, what we hear in the first few verses of chapter 16 may have shocked the disciples. It may shock you. It would be a wake-up call for them to consider the cost. It may be a wake-up call for you today to have this truth brought before your eyes today as we come to John chapter 16. This was not to scare them away. This is not to scare us away from serving Christ. This is a wake-up call. This is a time for us to, to be brought back to reality of what it means to be faithful and obedient followers of Christ. This is also for us today. And so I ask you again, have you considered that following Christ will not be easy? Have you considered that it will be difficult? It will be costly in human terms. We'll be better prepared for what lies ahead as followers of Christ if we consider the cost of following Christ as we read the text before us. I want you to look at the first seven verses with me of John chapter 16. Jesus says, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So chapter 16 begins with this reminder from Jesus that he'd been telling them all these things, all these things we saw back in chapter 15, in fact, such as he is the true vine, and that believers are to abide in the vine, and that his word is to abide in believers, and that his love is to abide in believers, and that believers are to love one another. And this Obedient, abiding in Christ and loving one another is going to be very critical for the disciples' strength, for the disciples' courage, for your strength and for your courage and your encouragement because as we also heard in chapter 15, the world will hate all faithful followers of Christ. So with verse 1 here in chapter 16, Jesus tells the disciples why he's been saying all these things to them. Here's why I've been telling you these things. Here's why this is so important. Look at verse 1 again. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. You see, following Christ is going to be a costly matter for all who accept the challenge to faithfully 
and obediently abide in Christ. Jesus wants his followers to be prepared for the difficulties that will come to those who obey him. He doesn't want them to be surprised. God doesn't want you to be surprised either, and so he gives you his word. He gives us his word so that we can gather together these Sundays and come to the word to be encouraged, to be strengthened, to be convicted that we need to change, to be more like Christ when we sin, but also to give us this wake-up call today that to follow Christ faithfully will be costly to you in human terms. He doesn't want us to be surprised. He doesn't want his disciples to be surprised. He doesn't want them to be discouraged, that they, that, that they might lose hope and fail to trust in him. So he says, I've told you all this to keep you from falling away, because this is what's going to happen. And God's word is very clear. The, the godly will be persecuted. If you live a godly life in this world, you will face persecution. Says 2 Timothy 3.12, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And so it does us no good to pretend otherwise, does it? What you don't need to hear from me this morning is that just, just be encouraged. Everything's going to be okay. You'll be well loved by your coworkers if you st- stand for the truth and, and obey God's commands to you to live a Christ-honoring life. You'll get along with everyone in your neighborhood. Your, your friends at school will love you when you stand for Christ. Those are not the things that you need to hear from me because that's not what the Bible teaches. In fact, Jesus says something far different here, and it's very serious what he says. It's not biblically honest to say that those who follow Christ will live safe, undisturbed lives because of their faith in Christ. Note how Jesus makes it very plain. Look at verse 2 again when he says to the disciples, they will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. Now, I kind of envision, and you know, funny things run through my head sometimes when I read scriptures like this, and I'm thinking, it would have been interesting to see what the disciples' faces looked like when Jesus said that. I wonder what the disciples said when they heard this from, from Christ, because I think there's more going on here than, obviously there's more going on here than what we're told, but I'm thinking there's probably a two-way conversation at some point here. When the disciples say, well, wait, what, what did you say? And Jesus says, what, about the part about throwing you out of the synagogues? You know, because that's, you know, they're going to do that. No, 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 not the part about the synagogues, the part about being killed. What, did you, did you say that we're going to be killed? That other part, right? I think we would have been there, the shocker to say, they're going to throw us out of the synagogues, that's bad. It's like, they're going to kill you. Kill, kill us? Did you say kill? That's a shocker, isn't it? But it's a prophetic word from Christ that has repeatedly proved true throughout the centuries of Christendom. That those who follow Christ face persecution and some of those who follow Christ face death. Many 
who've gone before us throughout the centuries have had their lives taken from them for their faith in Jesus Christ, for their obedience to Jesus Christ. And do you know that it is still happening today? It is still happening today around the world. There are still believers who are giving their very lives for their faith, their faith in and obedience to Jesus Christ. Now, you may not know any people who have given their lives for Christ, but there are people around the world today who are being persecuted to death for their faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. There are still believers who are giving their lives as they obediently follow Christ. And as we come to the Scriptures today, the reality of death may not be near to us, but the reality of persecution is. If you live an obedient life, if you follow the commands of Scriptures, if you follow Christ faithfully, if you abide in Christ and His Word abides in you, you are going to live in such a way that is different from the world in which we live. And it will mark you out very clearly as one who is Christ's. And persecution will come. What concerns me is that surprises us. Do you know what I mean? Anybody watch the news? Are you shocked when Christians are persecuted because there's news of this? Whether it's someone who can't pray in a high school function or it's someone who can't park on the street because they're having a Bible study or whatever it is. I mean, little things like that compared to losing your life for Christ. When there's advertising that shocks us, shocks our sensibilities, when there are things that that cannot be said because they include the name of Jesus Christ in the public realm, when there are things such as, well, think about Christmas time, when there are things that cannot be displayed on public property because they mention Jesus Christ, and we're surprised. Well, that's nothing in comparison to losing your life for Christ, but that's persecution, isn't it? And what bothers what bothers me is that I'm surprised. And what bothers me is that you're surprised. Because we ought not be surprised. If we know God's Word, when we live in this world in a Christ-honoring way, we will be opposed. Not because of who we are, but because we are Christ's. And we identify ourselves as Christ by living obediently to Christ. And we spoke of it last week. This brings conviction on those who aren't Christ's. And the response is to push back and to persecute. But when we read a passage like this today, when Jesus says to his disciples, they're going to they're gonna cast you out. They're going to put you out of the synagogue. And oh yeah, and by the way, they're going to kill you. That's a shocker. But we ought not be surprised. And we might be challenged by what's going on in our society when Christians are persecuted, but we ought not be surprised. You see, it ought not surprise us because Jesus makes it very clear that it will be so. Sadly, I think, as Jesus says in verse 2, there are those who are going to 
persecute Christians who will think, look at verse 2, they are offering service to God. So deceived are they in their religion that they think they're offering, offering service to God in the persecution of Christians. It was true in Jesus' day. It's true in our day. They'll think they're taking the lives of Jesus' followers as a favor and service to God. And this, true too, has also proved to be very true over the centuries of Christendom. Now, we, we might ask, why? Who could do this? What are Christians guilty of, anyway? Why would people do this to Christians whose only crime is walking in obedience to Christ and bringing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, says Jesus in verse 3, look at verse 3 again, and they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. See the connection there between the Father and the Son? And Jesus says they'll do these things because they have not known the Father, nor me. Why does the world hate and persecute followers of Christ? Well, the world persecutes believers because they're blind. That's not, that's not to say they're without excuse. They're blind to the truth. They do not know the Father or the Son. And this blindness is not an absence of truth. This blindness, in fact, is because of their rejection of the truth. You see, Jesus Christ brought the truth of salvation through faith in Him alone. And followers of Christ today proclaim Jesus Christ and forgiveness of sins. If you will repent of your sin, turn from your sin and believe in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And so we represent Jesus Christ today. But many there are who reject this truth, who reject their need of a Savior, who reject that they are sinners. Sinners who need to be forgiven. And they reject Christ. And they also reject those and persecute those who are Christ's representatives, those who do follow Christ. And so it's a sobering reminder, is it not, about what it means to be a true follower of Christ. Jesus didn't come to proclaim health and wealth and an easy path through life for all who trust in him. He came with these sobering reminders. And as he began to prepare the disciples for his departure, he said, you will be persecuted. And I'm telling you these things so that you won't fall away, so that you won't be so discouraged you lose hope. You see, we may find ourselves discouraged when we're persecuted, but we ought not stay discouraged because there's hope. You see, Jesus warned that we must be prepared to be rejected for our faith in Christ, wounded for our faith in Christ, opposed and persecuted for our faith in Christ, even killed for our faith in Christ. But just as we've seen before, Jesus doesn't leave us without hope. Jesus doesn't leave the disciples without hope and help, and he doesn't leave us without hope and help. Repeatedly, Jesus tells us that the Helper will come. Did you hear it when we read the passage earlier? Did you hear it in the song we sang earlier, The Comforter Has Come? All, listen, all who place their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and forgiveness of sins will receive the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. It's God the Spirit. So Jesus tells the disciples again, look at it again in verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, 
It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Back in verse 4, Jesus says that he had told them all these things, warning them that there would be persecution, even death for following him, but that when the persecution comes, they would remember these things. They would remember that they'd been warned and encouraged, things he had not told them earlier because he had been with them and he was going to be with them for a while. So they didn't need to know these things just yet, but now he's preparing to leave them. They didn't need to know all these things at first, but now he's preparing to leave them and their hearts are heavy because of this. And they think, what are we going to do without Jesus here? His physical presence. They're heavy. They're heavy hearts. Now they need encouragement. So now in verse 7, Jesus tells them again, and we've heard this before, haven't we? We've heard him tell them before, you will receive the helper. It's a good thing that I go away, says Jesus, because if I don't go away, you wouldn't have the helper. But because I'm going away, I'm sending the helper, and you will be far better off with me gone and the helper present in you. How thankful later the disciples must have been when they did remember these things, realizing that as persecution came, they had the help, they had the strength, they had the courage of the Holy Spirit emboldening them to faithfully obey the teachings of Christ. And I think we too, we too should be thankful that Jesus ascended. I mean, think of it. Maybe we've thought of this before. Boy, it sure would be nice to have been able to meet Jesus. It would be nice to have Jesus here for a Sunday, wouldn't it? It would. But then there would be believers around the world who wouldn't have Jesus in their presence for that Sunday. And yet, he gives us something far greater than his physical presence on earth. He gives us the indwelling presence of his spirit in every believer on earth. When we begin to count the cost of following Christ, it's comforting to know that he has not left us alone to live for him in this world, isn't it? It's comforting to know that he has not said, okay, it's time to kick you out of the nest. We'll see what you can do. Spread those wings and try not to break your neck. No, no. He says, I'm sending you to spread the gospel, but I'm also sending the Holy Spirit to indwell you, to empower you, to enable you, to give you courage, to help you not lose heart when you're persecuted. Your life is even taken. How good of God to give His children His Spirit to live in them, yes? How gracious of God to give give His children His Spirit to strengthen them, to empower them to obedience. And this is so important that we understand we have the power of Christ in us if we are His. If you're a child of God, you have the power of Christ working in you to give you the courage and the boldness to live obediently this week in the things that you will face that could cause you to question your faith. This is so important that we have the Spirit 
J.C. Ryle writes and lays out four points of why this was wise. He says why this was right, wise and right and true. And a, and a very good thing, I might add, that Jesus ascended and believers now have the Holy Spirit instead of the physical presence of Christ. J.C. Ryle points to four truths I think are really important for us to grasp. He says, first of all, if Christ had not died, risen again, and ascended up to heaven, it is plain that the Holy Spirit could not have come down with special power on the day of Pentecost and bestowed his manifold gifts on the church. Mysterious as it may be, there was a connection in the eternal counsels of God between the ascension of Christ and the outpouring of the Spirit. Secondly, he notes, if Christ had remained bodily with the disciples, he could not have been in more places than one at the same time. The presence of the Spirit whom he sent down would fill every place where believers were assembled in his name in every part of the world. Thirdly, he says, if Christ had remained upon earth and not gone up into heaven, he could not have become a high priest for his people in the same full and perfect manner that he became after his ascension. He went away to sit down at the right hand of God and to appear for us in our human nature glorified as our advocate with the Father. And then fourthly, says Ryle, finally, if Christ had always remained bodily with his disciples, there would have been far less room for exercise of their faith and hope and trust than there was when he went away. Their graces would not have been called into such active exercise, and they would have had less opportunity of glorifying God and exhibiting his power in the world. You see, we ought to count the cost of discipleship. We ought to count the cost of what it means to follow Christ. There will be persecution for all who live in obedience to Christ. We ought not live under the illusion that we should have it easy as Christians. You see, what concerns me is that sometimes I think we think we should have it easy because we're Christians. When God's Word makes it plain, it will not be easy. But I will help. I will empower you. I will embolden you. I will encourage you. I will equip you. I'm sending the helper. We ought not think that we should have it easy as Christians when through the centuries it has not been easy for faithful Christians. But at the same time, we also ought not lose hope. We ought not be discouraged. And that is the point that Jesus makes in the passage before us today. I tell you these things so you don't lose heart, so you don't lose hope, so you don't fall away. You see, if we're Christ, we have the Helper. We have the Spirit of God at work in us to help, to encourage, to strengthen us in the exercise of our faith. And we have the Spirit of God to embolden our obedience. We have an advocate with the Father who intercedes for us in ways we couldn't intercede for ourselves when we pray. And yes, the cost of being a believer is high, but the cost of not following Christ is much higher. Do you realize that? You see, it would be much better for us to live in this world with persecution for our faith in Christ, knowing we're eternally secure and forgiven, knowing that we have the indwelling presence of God in us than to live this life without persecution, but yet also without, without God and without His forgiveness for our sins. 
Which is better? Persecution with Christ or persecution or no persecution without Christ? <laughs>